Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 26th of February, 2024. On or about this day in what we now call 747 B.C., Babylonian leader Nabal-Nasser begins his reign. He reorganizes their calendar and is the first to landmark it in written history, by which we can establish the date of ancient events. He did not call it B.C., but if we have a continuous timeline that can be linked to other events, then a full timeline can be reconstructed. Nabonassar ruled about 150 years before Daniel and other biblical events that involved Babylon. Now, we could use the Jewish calendar. It goes back further in history than most. I think there's some resistance to that idea, as if we give it credence and support to Israel and the Judeo-Christian worldview. They date Daniel to about the year 3340. Today is in the year 5784. Galileo is formally banned by the Roman Catholic Church in 1616. He believes the earth orbits the sun and the church's position is the earth is the center of the universe. While I put much credence in biblical teachings, the church and pulpit should be cautious when they speak on matters the Bible does not mention. It's one thing to use broad biblical teachings and make moral application to emerging technology, and another to claim the Bible or even tradition trumps new findings. The Bible is not science as it cannot be repeated nor observed, but at the same time neither can some more secular theories. We should be quite careful to make that distinction. The long earth versus short earth debate is a prime example. Neither point of view is pure science, and both contain a large dose of assumption and rest heavily on one's theology or worldview. We could also point out the Bible has an excellent track record on history. Never ever forget that in nearly every case, man has a bias. Most current offerings on the small screen insert a bias that I find irritating. Last week's episode of Chicago Med had a case where a patient presented at the ED. She had an incomplete miscarriage well before viability, and the doctors in her hometown would not provide care because the baby was alive and they might be arrested if they intervened. I bristled at the scenario. Yes, I firmly believe that all human life is sacred and should be protected. I believe that's consistent with biblical teaching. I also believe the, quote, health of the mother excuse is just that, an excuse. The storyline as presented hinted at the issue, but it was a very clear hint. Let's look at the story in detail. If the water breaks at 15 weeks, there is virtually nothing that can be done to maintain the pregnancy or support the baby. That is just too early for current technology. They failed to mention that the baby had died days before the lady became critically ill from an incomplete miscarriage. The writers made a statement on a current moral issue without presenting all of the facts. A few years back, there was the case of Terry Shivo, an adult lady who had suffered a severely disabling brain injury. The debate was if she was in a vegetative state or not. She had lived for years in this condition, supported just by IV nutrition and water. There was a major debate if those should be withdrawn and she be allowed to starve to death. And that's what happened. To my thinking, that was completely wrong. It would have been a different case if she needed some medicine to support life, but she did not, 
just food and water. Science and technology often create moral dilemmas, especially in the field of medicine. The Alabama Supreme Court is in the news. They have ruled that embryos that have been fertilized and frozen in the in vitro fertilization process should be treated in the law as children. If you believe that life begins at conception, that is consistent. The issue at hand was a fertility clinic had a glitch and some embryos died. The donor parents sued as if they had committed at least manslaughter of their child. Here again, we have a moral ethics versus technology debate. Maintenance of frozen embryos is a dicey region. The clinic should have processes in place consistent with maintaining human life. But the extra embryos are the issue with IVF. In the pro-life circles, these are known as snowflake babies, and there are cases where they have been adopted, implanted, and born after being frozen for years. Late last year, a pair of twins were born after being frozen for 30 years. How many frozen embryos are there? Estimates range from 400,000 to a million in the U.S. Levi Strauss is born in 1829. That would make him about 20 years old when he decided to try his fortune in the California goldfields. One source calls him a fashion designer. That would be a miscategorization. The Strauss family were recent immigrants from Bavaria. The older brothers were in the first the older brothers were the first to arrive and set up a dry goods wholesale business in New York City. Expanding the business, young Levi first settled in Louisville, Kentucky. Prospects looked good in the booming town of San Francisco, where his sister and her family were living. He moved there in 1854 and established Levi Strauss and Company. One story goes a miner saw some of the heavy denim being sold for tent material and remarked that it would make good work pants. William F. Cody is born in 1846. Cody was maybe one of the West's most colorful and celebrated figures. Pony Express rider, wagoner and teamster, along with Indian fighter, army scout, buffalo hunter, and lastly, showman. What is hard to determine is exactly what is truth and what is legend. In later years, he tended to embellish his tales to support the Wild West show he became known for. In fact, Buffalo Bill's Wild West was a type of circus that traveled in a multi-unit train. You might know him simply as Buffalo Bill. The first successful color motion picture is shown in London in 1909. The process known as cinema color with a K, the concept was to shoot the film at twice the normal frame rate and through an alternating red or green filter. The developed film would then be projected in the same manner. Since the eye holds an image for a split second, the alternating colors would merge to produce essentially a full range of colors. It was crude, but the results were a major step forward. The class of three ships that included the Titanic seemed fraught with short lives. The Britannic was the final of the class. She's launched on this day in 1914, complete with a few changes after the sinking of the Titanic. Since this was during World War I, she was outfitted as a hospital ship. She struck a German mine in November of 1916 and sank. Singer and television personality Jackie Gleason was born in 1919. It's a good day for national parks. President Wilson signs the act creating Grand Canyon National Park in 1919. 
And President Coolidge does the same thing for Grand Teton National Park in 1929. Country music legend John R. Cash is born in 1932. It would be most difficult to sum up the life and career in a few words. Born into a large family, he was the middle of seven children during the Great Depression, growing up on a cotton farm in Arkansas. From there, he reached the highest levels of the country entertainment industry with a hard scrabble image and sound. Cash was known for his hard-living style in the early years of his career, but in later years was mostly an image. But it may have contributed to his relatively early demise at the age of 71. Images from the last year or two show a much older man. Diabetes and the loss of his wife, June Carter Cash, were contributing factors. Adolf Hitler steps out of line in 1935 when he reforms the Luftwaffe, or German Air Force. This violated the terms of the Treaty of Versailles, which ended World War I. The same day, British researchers demonstrate early radar technology. 1966 marked the first flight of the Saturn 1B rocket. The unmanned flight, known as Apollo 1A, tested the rocket stages and re-entry of the command module. The flight lasted 37 minutes, reached a height of 263 nautical miles before splashing down 4,600 miles southeast in the Atlantic Ocean, 8 degrees below the equator. Iran-Contra is in the news in 1987. The Tower Commission had been looking into the Reagan administration and the steps they took to generate funding for the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. They placed blame on the president, holding Reagan accountable for lax managerial style and aloofness from policy detail. The World Trade Center is bombed in 1993, killing six people and injuring more than 1,000. I was watching a bit of Mark Levin last night as he discussed a soon-to-be-released book that goes into great detail of how China is working to undermine the U.S. while some of our top leaders are on the take and turning a blind eye. Folks, I do not like to get too bent out of shape on any apocalyptic theory, but the line of thinking is that China is providing the precursors, technology, and machinery to the Mexican drug cartels to produce fentanyl for direct export to the United States. Purportedly, the CHICOMs are working a list of fronts to undermine American society, all while Washington is ignoring it, or worse, taking money under the table. Folks, China is not our friend. Be it the drug trade, TikTok, or the latest Timu application, we should be treating them in the same way we distrusted the Soviets in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. That's History and Comment for the 26th day of February. I'm Doug Tyrrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.